Welcome to The Building Code, episode 124. I'm Zach Witovich here with Charlie Burtwistle. I'm Charlie Burtwistle. Uh, I already said that. Just wanted to double down, make sure people know. We're, we're getting pretty pretty late in our, our episode um, count. Like, we're kind of veterans at this now. At this point, you'd think that we'd be better at this. No, that gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we got to be confident. We're doing fantastic. Yeah, maybe we don't say how many episodes we've had. Let people think that we're, like, first-time temporary podcast announcers for the rest of our careers. This is my one goal in my entire, like, this is why I came to Builder Trend. Well, you do two podcasts. Not not bragging or anything. So, like, if anyone has an excuse, it's me. This is, like, my one time I think, come in here. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're doing podcasts left and right. Yeah, check out The Better Way, where I bring on other guest hosts with me. <laughs> and then Charlie and I are here on The Building Code. Charlie, who are we bringing on today? We got Bill Gray um, of LMC Building, uh, all the way from New Zealand. Uh, so, I think it's about 9 a.m. over there. Does uh, that make it, like, midnight our time? No, it doesn't. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. 9 a.m., uh, it will be the next day, too. So it'll be Friday morning. Uh, we're stuck here in Thursday. Time zones are wild. Um, but yeah, he's going to be talking about some of the challenges they face over in New Zealand, uh, primarily earthquakes. So... Is that a big problem in New Zealand? Uh, compared to Nebraska, a huge problem. Uh, I actually... I mean, they get like thousands of earthquakes a year. I think we'll have to ask him about just the amount of earthquakes. Like, I'm just curious. I mean, they are down on the ring of fire in the Pacific ocean. So there's a lot of things happening there. So we'll have to kind of get into like what he has to do in order to prevent these things from right. Destroying their buildings, I guess, literally saving lives. Um, that's quite a bit of pressure to, uh, put on a home builder. And it kind of ties into some of the things even going on in the United States which is probably the inspiration of our episode today is just natural disasters and building. We've had a few guests that talked about green builders, Bob Deeks, a few episodes back where we right. really got into like net zero homes. And this is kind of the other side which is the earth's going to do what it wants to do. We had that condo collapse down in Florida, right? That was more structural, but you know, when one of the things you think about is all the different places you go, they all have to consider kind of the environment that right. they're actually living in. And I'm super excited to talk to Bill um, on just how they like account for that. And obviously, yeah, right now, timely topic. Um, and we actually do have a couple links that we'll drop in the show notes. Um, they'll be, you know, once again, they're from the construction dive.com, which is a great website if you guys want to go out and get some news articles. But the, yeah, the, the, the class of collapse of that apartment building down in Miami, obviously has sparked, you know, a lot of controversy about the building code and like, should, um, you know, these buildings, are they, they safe to live in? Um, and another article we have kind of talks about historically, uh, some of these giant collapses and building failures they've had and kind of how they produce changes on how do they learn from it? What sort of new materials come about? Um, and how do they kind of advance and, you know, make sure that something like that doesn't happen in the future. So, you know, luckily in the States that doesn't happen very often, but, um, excited to listen to Bill, um, talk about, you know, something that happens kind of daily over there for them and how they build with it. Yeah, well, let's get him on here. Bill Gray, welcome to The Building Code. Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about what yourself and your background? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> that's pretty scary. Um, <laughs> I was just working it out the other day that uh, I've been building for some, or well, over 45 years, so um, I'm, I'm the old one around Got a little here. experience then, huh? Uh, I don't know if it's experience. It's probably uh, a bit long in the tooth, really. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, we've, I've sort of been uh, in and out of the building industry yeah, for that long, um, mainly residential 
in both Australia and New Zealand here. So uh, it's been pretty interesting, you know, what with earthquakes and stuff like that, we've uh, learned a lot of stuff and there's been a lot of changes. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing for the last uh, 45, 46 years. Absolutely. So, and I know we're super excited to talk about kind of some of the building challenges that you have, you know, you know, with the earthquakes and how you account for some of those. Uh, before we get into that, though, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, the company that you're at currently. So uh, LMC Building, is that correct? Um, how'd that kind of get started? How it's grown? Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of find yourself there? Yeah, well, I, I came back from Australia back in oh, 2015 and uh, we shifted into this small town here of uh, 2,500 odd people. And um, I banged into Luke, and Luke and Nicola Chambers run LMC Building, and they started back in 2007. So um, he was a one-man band back then, or two, one man, one woman band, and uh, and now they've grown it up to about uh, there's ten of us. So there's uh, a couple of apprentices and um, eight chippies. Uh, working out and about so what kind of construction are you primarily doing out there in New Zealand are you a new home builder or are they multifamily just give a little background about like the type of construction that you your company's currently kind of focusing on uh, we're we're mainly residential but uh, uh, we are doing when I say residential that's single houses um, for this is a, a tourist town here so there's a lot of uh, holiday homes getting built but also there's a lot of people moving into the area uh, just because it's such a nice place to live. We've got the sea right next door and two k's away on the other side, we've got snow <laughs> and mountains. So it's pretty cool. That's an, um, We're from Nebraska. So, you know, we've got cornfields and flat land. So I think ah, we know who's right. out on top yeah. on, on this comparison. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty special. We've got, uh, guys surfing on one side and uh, guys skiing on the other. So, um, yeah, we've, we've got a good good setup here. All right, we keep talking about taking the podcast on the road. <laughs> I know say. where we're going to be lobbying to go to. We're going to come visit you, Bill. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, as I was saying, we're doing mainly uh, houses, but uh, we do a fair bit of uh, schoolwork, um, like, the high school here got pretty badly hit in the earthquake, so we've been uh, fixed. Well, we've fixed up all that sort of stuff, and we've carried on doing some some uh, major refits for them as well. So, yeah, pretty interesting work for sure. And you've mentioned that a couple times now. So uh, the entire island of New Zealand is is pretty much like a, a her, uh, an earthquake zone. Um, how does building in that environment? Uh, differ from you know what people would expect so like what are some of the experiences you just mentioned the school was hit pretty hard um, what are the sort of things you kind of having to account for um, when a natural disaster like an earthquake occurs back in 2010 2011 there was a major earthquake just down the road about uh, 100 mile from here and um, it took out most of Christchurch which is a city close to here uh, yeah, basically they had to demolish roughly 9,000 homes um, and there were 170,000 buildings damaged. Wow. So, wow. yeah, she was, she was pretty full on, I can tell you. We, um, so 
up to that point, there wasn't really a, well, most of the regulations were around the earthquakes were based on earthquakes that had happened way back in 1931, so a long time ago, right. even before I was born. And uh, yeah, that, so once these, this major earthquake happened, suddenly there were a lot of changes regarding uh, the regulations on how we built. Um, and then, we, of course, we've just had another one, 2016, which affected us right here. So, yeah, it um, wiped out most of the uh, infrastructure, like roads, didn't have... We were stuck here in Kaikoura for basically six weeks before we could actually get out. Wow. Um, didn't didn't help that there was sea and, and mountains. And so... Ha! See? Are, in, that's what you pay out. for. Yeah. You got to come to where the cornfields are. No, nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty interesting things to be a part of. I can tell you. <laughs> what What is the frequency? I'm just curious. How often are earthquakes happening in your area, or your region? I mean, is it yearly? Is it every decade? I mean, what's the kind of expected? I know you can never really predict it, but the frequency of of when these things are going to happen. Um, well, there's about 150,000 earthquakes happen a year. Now, when I say that, most of them, uh, you can't feel them. Right. But so they're out there. About, about 150 to 200 you feel. Wow. So almost but, one a week? I mean, more or less? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and But only felt in various parts of the country. Yeah, so. Right. You know, like it, it's not that we're all sitting here getting thumped every every week. Uh, <laughs> Just you know, the old earthquake, but, um, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it does sort of get a little bit like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like these major ones. Well, like since I was born, I, I can only recall a couple where when I was a kid that you'd go, oh, there was an earthquake, but that was just a jolt. Um, the one that hit Christchurch was, um, it it knocked it round, like it went for a, a minute or so. And then the one that hit here was, well, um, that was unbelievable. It was like two minutes of just all hell breaking loose, basically. It would happen just after midnight. And, uh, like uh, something woke me up, but I got up and then for the next two minutes, I uh, just watched this concrete floor look like a wave on a, on a in a lake. That's how much of the concrete was going up and down, and everything that was above the uh, the above floor level uh, landed on the floor. Um, yeah, she was a bit of a mess, and uh, we just then then there was nothing and uh we just looked at the mess the, you know like there were houses damaged roads damaged it was just uh yeah really devastation you could say so where where were you at when that was happening like were you safe or was there stuff you know collapsing all around you or what was that kind of experience no, there was, yeah there was stuff collapsing all around me um i was stuck at the end of my bed hanging on between the bed and the wall just trying to stand up we and uh the earthquake was doing all it could to throw me on the ground. And that was virtually what was happening virtually from, oh, like 
from about 150 mile away uh, right through here and then carrying right up the coast. So it it was a basically they see, say that there was something like 22 uh, different fault lines that unzipped wow. at that time. That's incredible. Adding, I'm like quickly mm. moving up earthquakes on things I should worry about on my yeah. list of concerns. Yeah. When, yeah, well, the, I couldn't believe how much concrete moved. It, it was just like uh, while one piece of the floor was staying down, the next bit seemed to be going up two metres. Well, like, sorry, 200 millimetres, uh, I guess, a foot. But, uh, you know, in, it, while it was happening, you sort of, you're guessing a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm curious about is, you know, we, we want to kind of get into the regulations of earthquakes and how do you, yep. how do you build for this and, and what preventative measures? I mean, is there a level that the code kind of sets you at the, where like, if you get a 5.0 on the Richter scale, your house should maintain its structure or is there, you know, what's, what's that, that process of like, what are the codes trying to prevent? Like how severe of an earthquake can the codes really mitigate the impacts of those earthquakes? I, I guess the main thing to remember is that, uh, the building code first and foremost is trying to save lives. So then it's, it's saving lives first, uh, worry about the building second. And so, a lot, a lot of the work that's been done around the regulations has been to make sure that uh, the building stays up, giving people enough time to get out. Right. And um, and also, um, if you can, minimise the damage of the building itself. Uh, the um, so the so the regulations have, have really tightened up regarding uh, bracing units and. Um, the use of like ply sheets and and uh, just even uh, gypsum board for internal linings have become so that they are screwed off in certain patterns to make sure that they stay on the wall despite what's going on and the like the screws can they may rip uh, a line in the uh, gypsum board but um it, they'll still still stay on the wall, so it stops the wall from collapsing. And what, what, um, another thing too. Oh, sorry, carry no, on. No, you go ahead. Ha, I was just going to say that uh, one of the the big things that happened, and this might apply. I see a link you you sent me regarding the uh, building that collapsed. Uh, I think it was down down the bottom of the states there. Yeah, in um, Florida, Miami. Yeah. Well, um, look, we had a building collapse here in, in Christchurch on the first lot of earthquakes and, uh, and quite a few people were killed in that. And they did a lot of study into why that happened. And uh, the main thing that they found was that the reinforcing steel through the concrete hadn't been taken right the way through uh, columns. And so there's been a lot of changes regarding that. So that the the reinforcing um, is actually all tied together rather than just sitting in there, hoping that the building will stay up. Yeah, that was a, a super interesting article. I know they had a quote in there talking about, you know, just figuring out why these different things were happening and how to prevent them. 
the quote was like, you don't need to worry about a, a crack in the concrete, all concrete cracks. You need to worry about what caused the concrete and figuring out how to fix that problem. Um, so as you think back, you know, you'd mentioned you've been through a couple of these like pretty severe ones now. Um, how do the like changes to the building code, you know, kind of come about? Do people like learn a lot from these, you know, big devastating natural uh, disasters? And if so, what have been kind of some of the major shifts that you've seen um, over your, t- your time through some of these events that have, you know, really improved the building code and helped, you know, protect, you know, lives in the future? Um, the main one would be that they have uh, really improved on the concrete floors that uh, uh, poured, they've made a, what they call a rib raft uh, floor, which is basically a, a foot, oh, just over a foot thick, um, with polystyrene pods every three feet or so, uh, and that allows for a like a um, a raft or a, an actual uh, beam to go through every four f- feet. Um, I hope that's I'm explaining it well enough. <laughs> um, basically, the the thing becomes a uh, a, a basic uh, a honeycombed effect type of concrete, which doesn't break up in earthquakes and it's sitting on top of a, a compacted fill so that in the in the event of an earthquake it, it can move around without actually breaking up and the house uh, falling over it, and and after an earthquake these slabs can be jacked up or re-leveled so that they can uh, well the house can be used still yeah so there's been that one, and then well, we've got another issue here in New Zealand, and that's climate. With it being, uh, we get uh, some great uh, winds come up straight from Antarctica, so we're all pretty so it cools the place down pretty quickly. Um, so between the the climate and the earthquakes, we have come up with. Uh, putting a uh, basic ply right the way around the building and the the uh, bracing units are just picked up on that and nailed off. So uh, whether it's for climate or whether it's for bracing would just depend on the uh, nailing pattern that we nail off on. And that again happens inside as well with the internal walls with the gypsum board. Um, we've also moved to a much lighter roof structure. We use a lot of uh, um, corrugated iron, light tin uh, type roofs rather than concrete tiles. Um, yeah, trying to keep the, the buildings as light as possible. Yeah. When these uh, you know improvements come out, so you mentioned you know the new some of the new technologies have with the you know the concrete that's able to kind of shift and, and move. Um, and the new roofing materials, things like that. Obviously, you know, better um, long-term, but for the builder themselves, so for you guys, do you guys have to change a lot of your plans that you've been doing things the same way for a long time to adapt to some of these new technologies um, that are out there? Um, If so, what does that process look like? Is it slowly over time or is it, you know, as soon as they come out with something new, you guys are immediately implementing it kind of into your build process? Um, I guess the, the biggest thing has been that everything that happens in the house these days has to be shown on the 
the plans, the blueprints before the house can be started. So where we'd, we would have used to build with uh, five, five pages of plans, we've now got 40 odd pages of different uh, sections through to different parts of the house that that cover every single little piece of uh, the uh, the puzzle, you could say. And so you become really, really good at uh, deciphering plans because you've got to build it exactly how it's drawn rather than uh, knowing the building code and just carrying on. The um, So uh, yeah, the, that would be the, the main thing as far as our changes are concerned, we basically have to follow their their lead. Uh, whatever the plan says, we've got to build, or think, or we can go for a, a, an amendment, but we have to show that that amendment meets the building code. Are those dictated uh, by in New Zealand the building code by the the actual government, or is it? Yeah, it's it's. It's it's pushed by the government, um, so the, the the legislation that goes through is all uh, we have to follow. Yeah, we don't have a choice in to as to uh, whether we leave things out or put things in. Um, we can always go better than the building code, but right, yeah, they set the no floor. And I I just imagine from like your customer's perspective, I mean, this is something that is so common in the area. It's it's to your advantage to market yourself as someone who their structures will stand up against earthquakes and are built safely for their families. Right. I mean, have you, do, do you guys look at it from that perspective ever? Like when a customer comes to you, like, do you include this in your sales process? Yeah, uh, not, not really. The, the issue around all this is that, that we get given a plan uh, usually that, meets the requirement and then we're, we're pricing from there. Gotcha. So it, it, it's not something that we can offer uh, because it's all covered in, in the drawings usually. And you, you just uh, hope that you don't miss anything. Otherwise you're uh, fighting a losing battle on the money front. It's always that balance. <laughs> yeah, sure is. But I, I guess the thing is for, for us is that we've, we've been lucky enough to, uh, that with Luke and Nicola running the show, that they're always forward thinking. So that's how we got linked into build a trend, I guess. Uh, it, it happened because we needed something a little bit more than than just doing the same old, same old. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It sounds like you guys are, you know, doing a really good job of kind of setting yourselves apart, um, you know, as a builder in, in New Zealand. Um, another question I had when you talked a little bit about um, forward thinking was just like kind of project timelines and obviously, you know, something that we're facing in the States, you know, everyone is talking about is just material shortages. Um, how has that kind of been like uh, for you guys in, in New Zealand? Um, how have project timelines kind of had to, you know, get moved back with, you know, the purchasing may maybe take it a little bit longer than it normally does? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're... Uh we've got the same problems that uh, a lot of our products are all imported. Um, and like we're pretty lucky in the timber department, but uh, with such good money being found by uh, e exporting our timber, uh, we, we're second in line with all that. So um, 
yeah, it's a, been a long process. The the old pandemic, um, although we've been very lucky there, but we're still all wandering around having a great time partying because uh, we're we're not really affected by it. But um, it, it it's really cut cut through trying to get some materials. Like we've got uh, one job here at the moment where we're waiting for some cedar board and batten as a cladding and uh, it's a three month waiting list. So wow. um, when I say three months, that's to, to order it, uh, that slows the job right down because we, we would be looking at um, having it on, you know, like in, in eight weeks, say. So um, as far as that, it, like at the moment, we're still managing to uh, keep the uh, materials coming through within a time frame that the house would be built. So, uh, but if that goes out any further, we'll be uh, like houses are just going to take longer and longer and longer. So, so you mentioned you you know New Zealand obviously has a, a higher proportion of timber. In the United States, we were seeing lumber increases by three fifty three hundred fifty percent i mean absolutely insane were you kind of insulated from that or did you also still see kind of the the lumber price increases yeah yeah we, we've got exactly the same um they haven't gone up quite that much yet but uh, every month they're going up and uh, container loads of of materials the price for a container these days has gone from something like uh uh five thousand dollars to ship some a container in and it's now up around the fifteen thousand dollar mark so you can see that uh, that just affects every single little little bit of uh, material that you use on a building site how's your demand on the market in the united states it's hasn't really slowed down people are still building even with these inflated prices have you guys also still seen a similar increase in the people who are still willing oh. to pay those prices uh, yeah like we we just can't keep up with the work that we've got at the moment Interesting. and it's uh like all the earthquake type type material uh work is virtually finished now um and we've now moved moved on to new housing uh, people shifting around um the the plans that are here you could price are just incredible but you just can't do do everything so we're um but we're we're able to to pick some good jobs and uh and we've been getting them so that certainly uh helps uh, the uh, old uh wheel go around you could say absolutely so i mean you, um, throughout this interview you've mentioned a few things you have insane demand right now you know you have purchasing delays you know increased lumber prices earthquakes to deal with <laughs> How is that box? Yeah, a lot of stuff to you know account for uh, outside of the normal kind of you know standard build process. How have you guys like kind of been utilizing Builder Trend um, to to help with some of those you know processes that may be a little bit more difficult than normal um, to ensure that you're you know you and your company can continue rolling down the path that you're on? Uh, well, the scheduling's been the the, the best one for us. Uh, we can we can add a add, add a spot when we order, uh, so we know it's coming in and and hopefully like in three months or a month or and and so we can put two points on the on the builder trend uh, calendar you could say in scheduling um, and then we can work back from there as to 
whereabouts each part of the, the job's going to be and and hope that the uh, material will turn up on time, uh, <laughs> which is another problem too. But um, yeah, definitely the 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 scheduling, um, the the time clocks are just fantastic for us. We can just clock on at, at, and swap jobs. It, it just uh, just means that that every time we we do something, it it gets logged onto the right job rather than um, just guessing it or doing paperwork at the end of the week. You, you've got everything on, on hand. How big is your your team? You said you had ten employees. So are you are you subbing out most of your work as well for the actual construction process? No, we do just about everything. We really, all internal. Do, yep, yep. We do all the concrete floors, uh, all the framing. Uh, the framework we usually get pre nailed, but so they come as made up frames. But we do all the, all the carpentry work, all the external cladding, internal cladding. Um, all the finishing, even put the showers in. <laughs> that is, you just you do it all. That's pretty unique yeah, for yeah. a new home builder. Yeah. We we've got a good good bunch of uh, subcontractors as well. So the electricians and the plumbers, they do their thing. But yeah, we we uh, we'll even put on roofs if we have to. Uh, the main thing here is that being such a small area yeah. we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of the trades that you so you can uh flick it out to other people so we've just got to do it ourselves or we um or we just can't get it finished so it's it's good for the apprentices they they learn heaps of stuff because of that and uh um, it just makes it so much easier uh, for, for us not having to chase around trying to find other subcontractors Absolutely. And, and, you know, doing the work yourself with an, an expert like Bill Gray, obviously your houses are going to get built um, up to the standard that you've come to expect. Oh, I just make sure that Luke gets coffee every now and then. And, and <laughs> all the boys, all the boys have got a bit of material in front of them and uh, everyone's happy. Yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> Well, Bill, we're getting close to that time here. Um, just want to thank you again for, you know, coming on and, you know, speaking to some of the challenges that you face. I think this was a super informative episode for me, definitely, uh, and hopefully all of our listeners, too. So thank, thank you again, Bill. No, no worries at all. Thanks very much. It's been, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when the ne next earthquake happens. <laughs> and we'll make sure to schedule our trip around that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll try and line yeah. that up. All right. Great to talk, guys. Thanks yep. so much, Bill. Have a good one. Well, we just had Bill Gray on to talk about the construction process down in New Zealand. At the beginning of the show, we kind of asked about number of earthquakes. Turns out it was a much larger issue than I yeah. had even realized. That was, I mean, I feel like everything that he said in that episode was kind of took, took me aback. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, how impactful one, yeah, how many earthquakes were happening constantly, but also just like how devastating they, they are. And listening to his horror story about being, you know, trapped in his house during one and watching concrete move up, you know, 200 millimeters at a time, uh, is just, you know, really, really hard to picture. Well, and even off air, he was talking to us about how just the entire Island moved four meters. Right. And just the impact that it can have. Yeah. He was saying how, you know, there were some arguments over, you know, boundaries and, you know, housing lines and things like that. Zach goes, no, no, no. Like the entire Island moved. <laughs> Everybody just moved four feet to the right. That's yours now. Super interesting stuff. 
Bill also really kind of got into the same circumstances of the pandemic. Obviously, international pandemic has international results. Not that surprising. I mean, I'm sure. But New Zealand was insulated. They didn't have the level of shutdowns that we had, or at least for the extended period of time. So I kind of thought maybe it would were insulated from that as well. Obviously, import costs still make it hard. And even with their resources of having timber, it ended up still having a, a broader impact on their, their bottom line. And, and Builder Trend is still fulfilling the needs of our Australian and New Zealand clients, just like our U.S. clients. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really interesting to hear him talk about, you know, just staying in front of some of these challenges that they're facing, you know, the three month delays that they're having with some of their orders. Um, but then also just like the how they're getting in front of, you know, safety with these new materials, you know, the the honeycomb pattern, concrete and, you know, the the special roofing and things like that. Um, I thought that was really interesting with just how quickly they can adapt to, you know, new technology and ensure that their houses are being built as safe as possible. That was super interesting. Just the you think about the mines on, OK, how do we prevent these things from shifting too much? Let's go look at nature. What works? Right. You know, what, how are the things that uh, just the, the land can teach us about structural integrity and, yeah. and modeling after that. And I would love to get, and you, you mentioned this off air too, but obviously, you know, earthquakes and New Zealand builders aren't the only types of builders that are facing natural disasters. I'd love to get some people that, you know, have to deal with, you know, flooding and hurricanes, um, people that have to deal with forest fires and tornadoes. Um, it, it, this, this episode was really just kind of eye open to me on how, off the beaten path some of these builders have to be in order to account for these natural disasters so hopefully in the future we'll have some you know some different types of uh builders to talk about some other challenges that they face you never know we're going to go on the building code yeah hopefully to new zealand for our first off-road let's manifest that one into happening yeah i don't know our track record isn't track record isn't that great but power 31st then new zealand yeah we'll get there eventually uh thanks again for listening uh remember to you know rate review subscribe Uh, Check us out on Facebook at The Building Crew if you want to be a part. Um, Always feel free to reach out. Um, Other than that, I'm Charlie Bertwistle. Zach Watovich. This is The Building Code.